everyone, and welcome to the Jam Yearbook. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. Welcome to our January wrap-up, where we're going to discuss the good, and as always, the not-so-good of new releases that arrived to us in January. Yeah, we skipped over a December review episode because we knew it might be a tough month, and it was. But we found a few releases worth mentioning in the end of the year, mid-January episode, and we have added those to the new release playlist. Each month, we add new songs to our Spotify playlist, New Music, The Jam Yearbook Discovers. It's a revolving playlist of new songs from the past few months that we've talked about on the show. Please make sure you check it out. Yeah, we've taken a deep dive into new music each month to bring you the best that we can find. Some of the music's well-known. You might already know this. It might be on the radio. But we think we might have some interesting surprises there for you. Give the playlist a follow or a like, and you will find out when it's been updated each month. Like today, I updated it today with January songs. So if you were following us, you would find out today that new songs were added. Always. I love having new music added. Before we get into the new music, though, there are some birthday shout-outs we want to give. I'll kick it off with Noah Khan, Michael Stipe, Dave Matthews, and Zach Wild. I've got Rob Zombie, Justin Timberlake, Dave Grohl, LL Cool J, and Pitbull. Continuing on with Sade, Lil John. What? <laughs> Susanna Hobbs and Kid Cuddy. And we have Scotland's own Calvin Harris, Jonathan Davis, Alicia Keys, and Adam Lambert. And we also have an amazing group of people who we both grew up with, and they are in an over-70s bunch, and there's a lot of them. Yeah. So happy, happy birthday to Pat Benatar, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones, Kenny Loggins, Shirley Bassey, Rod Stewart, Steve Perry, and Robin Zander. But wait, there's more. There's Donald Fagan, Stephen Stills, <laughs> Phil Collins, John Lydon, Dolly Parton, Paul Stanley, Neil Diamond, and Robbie Krieger of the Doors. And we also have our album anniversaries that we like to keep up with. So celebrating 35 years, released in 1989, we have Tone Loke, Loke After Dark. We had to include that one. Maybe that's more of a personal thing for me and Jim. Wild thing. <laughs> there you go. Warrant. Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking Rich, The Skid Row, Skid Row debut, Debbie Gibson, Electric Youth. Come on. This is part of the thing that I like going through this. My head did not compute that Debbie Gibson's debut was out at the same time as Skid Row's debut. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it just doesn't seem possible. No. And then Fine Young Cannibals, The Raw and The Cooked. Come on, she drives me crazy. That's a great song. Yeah, it is. Well, Matt, I'm going to take us back to 40 years to 1984. These probably seem like they did kind of come out at the same time. <laughs> uh, Van Halen's 1984, of course. Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith, The Pretenders, Learning to Crawl. Bon Jovi made their debut with Bon Jovi. By Bon Jovi. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help that. <laughs> and then, hey, where would we be today without the Footloose soundtrack? And so this is another one. In the last group, now we get this group. Back on the Chain Gang is out at the same time as Love Bites by Judas Priest in Jump. Oh, that's crazy. It just doesn't, it just, it sounds weird in my head. And, and let's hear it for the boy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's all so weird that it was all out at the same time. It just doesn't compute with me for some reason. Uh, and then happy 45th anniversary. We have the Scorpions Love Drive. That's one for me personally. Joe Jackson's Look Sharp and Black Flag's debut, Nervous Breakdown. And we're going to go back to 55 years. This is before our time, but we have to recognize it. Classics. Led Zeppelin making their debut, Led Zeppelin 1, and the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. And then finally for 60 years, 60th anniversary, the Rolling Stones debut, the Rolling Stones, and the Beatles with Meet the Beatles. 60 years ago in January. It's crazy looking at those years. And we're just in January. So I think, Matt, we are going to have to look forward and plan our next anniversary show and base it on the phenom of the fourth and ninth year in each decade. Because I think there's going to be a lot to talk about, especially when you look at these years like 1984. Oh, it's going to be a killer. Albums in 1989, they might not mean everything to everyone else, but we were, you know, prime senior and junior in high school. Yeah, it was prime. 
1979, a lot of influential music, disco was ending, new wave was coming about. And we haven't really even touched on maybe like 1994. Oh, you know, that could be a, a huge year. Yeah. So it feels like we do need to come up with a, like a stricter criteria for what we represent in the usual monthly wrap ups because the lists are going to keep growing and growing. Well, let me ask you this and we'll, we'll, we'll get off track a little bit. After we get through the first year of doing this style of the Jam Yearbook, do you think maybe we need to give up on birthdays and anniversaries because we're just going to be shouting happy birthday to Paul McCartney <laughs> again next year? We're going to be shouting. <laughs> well, well, at least we're limiting to, limiting it to people who are still alive. That's true. That's true. Maybe. Well, we did all the deaths. I know. Hey, we we're not doing any deaths show. this week, though. <laughs> That's true. It does. It keeps yes, things positive. We, maybe we'll find something fresh we can dig oh, up. <laughs> dig huh. up. That's yeah. that's dark, dark. <laughs> and and I'll admit, <laughs> you know, when I was putting them in the notes, there are some that are on a personal level, like the Scorpions for me and Debbie Gibson for you, most likely. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I find it amusing to point out songs like Funky Cole Medina. It's an old song that many still listen to. That would have fit right in with our arena show. Oh, had we missed that? Yeah. Yeah, we did. And hey, no disrespect to Debbie Gibson, but I was I was a Tiffany guy. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I'd have to be Team yeah. Tiffany as well. But hey, she's had a great career. Anyway, we always start talking about new music with the they're still around part of the show. And January has not disappointed us with some of the aging artists out there putting out new music. <laughs> yeah, and if Green Day, we'll start right off with Green Day. Saviors, new album. It feels kind of weird to put them in here but i mean they've been around for a long time we don't want to feel old but we have to admit that we're over 50 and that's where these guys fall yeah, now. they've been around for a while and you know very few dips in their popularity and their dips i don't think really have gone all that far down into the valley mm -hmm. when they released the american dream is killing me their new single it brought me back to the to dookie and it got me thinking that maybe I wrote them off too soon, give them more of a chance. It only took a couple songs for that dookie vibe to fade in this album. Bobby Sox could be a Weezer song. It, it just boom, yeah. straight up Weezer. And I think Pink needs writing credit for One-Eyed Bastard. That da -na 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 -na, that's, <laughs> that's, that's pure Pink. The trick for me in a lot of this newer music is to loosen up, right? And accept things on its own merits. And I did that with saviors once i got out of my own way i i did enjoy it i still i think still it's important to allow yourself to be critical of something yeah absolutely i talked in the past about a band sound grinding me down to a point mm. where i don't know how to appreciate what they're doing yeah. anymore that happened to the foo fighters and i think it's the same here for green day for me it's really hard to stay fresh over 30 years of making music and you are absolutely correct. They owe Pink a writing credit for <laughs> na 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 I want to start a fight. It is that guitar line. I, I put my headphones on Kim and I said, did they rip off Pink? She wasn't even in two seconds. She was like, hell yeah, they, they ripped her off. Oh yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> so someone we probably just haven't paid attention to over the past 20 years, but Nora Jones has a new single that came out in January called running and she still sounds great. That's the beauty of seeking out new music. You don't always realize that somebody you listened to 20 years ago has put a catalog out, but the record company hasn't shoved it in our faces the way we were used to. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to come along and find this. The song doesn't sound like it's trying to revamp that don't know why sound, but it still is familiar sounding. And Nora Jones, she's first class, and I really enjoyed coming across. I couldn't this. listen to it, Jim. I'm scarred. I'm permanently scarred with Nora Jones. <laughs> when we were, when Kim was pregnant with our first kid, I swear when we were baby shopping, that's all I heard was Nora Jones. And I just, I can't, I can't, I just couldn't do it anymore. Oh, Mr. Objective yep. when it came to the Green, Green Day, Day, you yep. know? <laughs> and I, I liked Nora Jones' debut when it came out. But it just wore on me. They beat me down. See, you get tired of the sound. Uh, but one thing <laughs> that was a little welcomed was the Black Crows wanting and waiting. Yeah. And when I heard the beginning of this song, 
I thought it was going to be a sorry attempt to remake Jealous oh, 100%. again. 100%. Yeah, it starts with that very familiar riff and sound. But what's nice is that it breaks off into a refreshing new area and it doesn't stay. It's almost like it wants you to whip your head around and go, are these guys just doing Jealous again over? Yeah. And then it doesn't. Yeah, but- Chris Robinson, the vocal, it was definitely in that melodic arena. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I want this album to be great so bad. Even though it does have that familiar melody, it sounds great. The tone is, uh, it has more to do with like Southern Companion than Shake Your Money Maker. And I love that album. Now, there was an unusual and surprising pairing that we found this. Yeah, week. there was. <laughs> Huey Lewis and the News returning with Umphreys McGee to cover David Bowie's Let's Dance. And it was awesome. What? What? It was what? awesome. What? <laughs> Huey Lewis in the news and Humphreys McGee. Yeah. Humphreys McGee. I think it's a very true cover. And it's very interesting to hear Huey trying to copy some of the nuances of Bowie's vocal. January is the anniversary of David Bowie's death. So it could have just been a tribute. And that's why it was released. Because I did read that this was recorded quite a while ago. It was Huey's final vocal performance in the studio before he lost his hearing. Huey Lewis and the News had been working on another album. I'm not sure if maybe the two bands crossed paths and just decided to do this. But uh, at some point, they went into a studio and recorded it. And it wound up being the last thing that we're ever going to hear Huey Lewis sing from the studio. And it's worth it. We talked about how Huey Lewis and the News had to quit recording that final album due to his hearing loss. So it's interesting to hear this collaboration with a jam band. I think one of my favorite things about this song was what you just talked about, the vocal nuances that he was putting in from David Bowie, because it made me pay attention to him. And I went back and listened to the original, like, oh, wait, Bowie does do that. He does that little upswing on that note at the end of the line. And I didn't really pay attention Mm -hmm. to it until I heard Huey. And obviously we both love and respect Huey Lewis and the news. Great band. Man, people must have thought I was crazy because I was in traffic when this came on. I did that big surprise face and it kind of (laughs) pumped my fist a little bit when I heard Huey's voice because I didn't even need to look at my phone. I knew that was Huey Lewis Um, and I had to stop and, you know, go to my phone. Oh, this is really cool. I was hoping it was a new album because I hope, you know, I was hoping that something magically happened and his hearing, you know, improved and whatever. But hey, anytime we get more new Huey Lewis on the news, we're both going to be happy, I think. And then Alice Cooper elected came on our Spotify playlist as a new release. To be honest, I haven't given a lot of attention to Alice Cooper in my lifetime. I don't really know much about him other than a couple of his hits. So I was kind of like, is this his sound? Oh, oh yeah. Hell yeah. It's a sound. This is the classic from Billion Dollar Babies back in 73. What? And yeah, and that's why it was so confusing. I'm like, did he re-release it? Is it a remaster? Because it did sound cleaned up. Um, I wonder if this song comes around now again, you know, during election cycles. It might be intentionally released just because it's worth cashing in on oh, at yeah. this point. Yeah. Song. I feel a little odd now bringing that up in our <laughs> notes because it did show up on my new release playlist. And it's weird that that happens, but I, I guess maybe at the same time, it's great for. And it's weird that that happens, but I guess it's probably also a great way for young people to discover new. Yeah, music. And it makes me wonder if they slip things in that. Hey, if you like this, maybe try this, even though it's not in a release, because I was confused with mine as well. Aside from Alice Cooper, it's weird how we both had Alice Cooper, but they also gave me a Glenn mm-hmm. Campbell song from over 10 years ago, but gave it a 2024 release date. It was a duet, and so maybe the person he, I can't remember what it was and who it was with, but maybe the person he did it with finally got around to 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 releasing that. Uh, but imagine that. We can't trust the internet. Oh, but certainly everything on it's true. That's right. Just as Reddit. Yes. <laughs> and then there was Judas Priest returning once again. More Priest. Crown of Thorns. Still with the singles. We will have a full album before it is released at this date. Yeah, I was giving Jim some devil horns there because I'm still excited, even though it is getting a bit ridiculous. You're not you're not wrong. If if these were 45s like back in the day, we'd have B-sides too. The album is obviously finished, so just release it already. That said, I really like this song. 
I like the 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 first song they released. You like the second song. I like this one more than the second. I started digging into the last few albums a little bit, and I realized I really kind of missed Judas Priest. I'm not really sure why I moved away. I think my I think I was just kind of maybe thinking I was growing away, but I still really dig it. Regardless of the way to early release singles, I am looking forward to hearing this whole thing in March. I'm looking forward to hearing it as a whole album yes. instead of just these singles over mm-hmm. the past, what, four or five months now at least? Yeah, we- where they started in October releasing. And we definitely had some what the, f- you know what I'm saying, moments in January. You can say it, just spell it you- F-U-K-C. <laughs> there you go. It's F-C-U-K over here. Uh, you shared <laughs> T-Pain covering Black Sabbath yeah. war pigs with me. And I can't believe those words, T-Pain covering Black Sabbath's <laughs> war pigs, is, that's actually coming out of my mouth. And again, I have to mention my wife, Kim, for the second time in this show, because I have her to thank for that. She told me, you know, we're just kind of sitting there doom scrolling away on our phones. And she told me, and I'm like, oh, I had that cringy, because I'm like, he's just going to screw this up and be auto-tuned all to hell, thinking <laughs> he was just going to completely destroy this great song. But just the opposite. This is a fantastic, amazing cover. I loved it. Yeah. Matt, you need to go get Kim. Give her the headphones and the mic and you get out of here. Man, can I? Because I got to go take a quiz. (laughs) (laughs) We had some more 80s hair metal coming back to us, though, with L.A. Guns. Or maybe Mm. it's Riley's L.A. Guns. But it's not with Stephen Riley anymore. Uh, L.A. Guns is really confusing. (laughs) Their history and probably most famous because they once called Axl Rose its lead singer. I think oh, that's, that's right. why they're they can still they just have this revolving door. Different members have taken on the LA Guns moniker, history lesson time. Phil Lewis's LA Guns, Tracy Guns LA Guns, and most recently, Riley's LA Guns. As drummer Stephen Riley formed his own version. Steve sadly passed away last year. I, I, I'm not sure how much, but I'm pretty sure he probably did a lion's share of the recording, if not all of it on the drums. It's not what you would expect from a former hair band. This is a really good rock record. I was never into LA guns back in the day, but this is worth a listener three. Yeah. It really surprised me. I I think that WTF I sent you in a <laughs> message and I shared the album and you're right. It's a damn good rock album. It's really, really solid. And it's one of those that I'm probably going to have to go back and give a listen to a few more times because I enjoyed it. There's something that I want to revisit with that album. But since we're with hair metal, then there was a band called Trickster who put out a almost full length album. I would say maybe seven or eight songs. It was all covers. I'm sure if I say Trickster, there's a large part of our audience that would scratch their heads. Mm, Yeah. Who? (laughs) (laughs) terrible terrible timing being a hair band to debut in 1990 no history lesson here i'm not going to go that far for trickster who people probably don't care about just give me the new they were just another band that i and i'm sure a lot of other people had written off as a flash in the pan yes i own that debut cassette if this wasn't a cover album i would have listened to this with much lower expectations there's no surprises in the delivery of the songs they don't do really much with the arrangements at all. I made a beeline to 50 ways to leave your lover, hoping for a non hair version just to step out of their box a little bit. Nope. Nope. Uh, Nope. Nope. (laughs) The song choices were good and and unexpected. I mean, who covers terrible lie? No kidding. The cover of terrible lie really threw me off because I saw it on the playlist. Didn't even think nine inch nails until it started playing. And then I was like, what? And it was cool to hear though a rock band play something that had, you know, Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails has a very industrial sound, which mm-hmm. comes out of program computers and keyboards. And this was played all on real hair metal instruments. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, come on, guitar, drums, bass. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but they were able to deliver. Do you think that hair metal could ever make a comeback? Um, yes, it could, because we've talked about this, that, that, fun element missing from a lot of new music. You know, everything's got a vibe and be serious and be too cool, too cool for school. 
and really concentrate on image. I'm obviously not giving Trickster a glowing review. This is a step up from karaoke. It felt like a band's demo tape to become a house band at a local bar. Like, here, here's my CD. Check it out. We, you know, we we can come play here. But when everyone wants to be taken so seriously as an artist nowadays, it's nice to have something fun to listen to. Not all music has to be a social statement or a look for the meaning of life. Hair metal is probably viewed as being the bottom, absolute bottom rung on the metal ladder. You know, it's probably a limb that most metalheads would trim from the metal tree because I'm not really sure it was taken very seriously at any point. Steel Panther is a spot-on caricature of what people think of hair metal, but it was fun. And I agree that this Trickster album, it sounded a, a little like a bar band. It sounded a lot like a bar band, especially since every song seemed to demand a guitar solo, whether the song originally had one or not. 50 <laughs> Ways to Leave a Lover. It's got a guitar solo yeah. in it. You know, a guitar solo and Terrible Lie. Yeah, sure. Let's throw Why it not? in there. That's what we yeah. do. We're metal. We're hair metal. That's what they do. A, a, a hair metal cover of Super Tramps Take the Long Way Home. That actually worked for me. It really did. One thing about these hair metal bands is that they were really talented. So something like Take the Long Way Home by Supertramp deserves vocals and those spot-on harmonies. And they were able to do that. And then all those guitar solos are good. They're not meant to all sound like iconic Jimi Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen guitar solos. They're just meant to kind of keep the music going and to be entertaining. The musicianship of hair metal was pretty great, actually. And I think that that's something hair metal could bring back because most of those bands had great musicians in them who could solo, drum, play bass. And I think that that's what's missing from a lot of today's music. It is. And I think people maybe not realize how much work goes into coming up with those guitar solos and making them yeah. memorable. Because when it comes time in the song for that guitar solo, when you're seeing a band live, you want that guitar solo. And I'm not talking just strictly metal. Pink Floyd, when they're playing Comfortably Numb live, they want to hear that exact solo. It's not just yep. play something in the in the right key. No, they want to hear the melody of that guitar solo. It's, it's really, really, really important to the song. And... Mm -hmm. Speaking more specifically back to hair metal, and here's what it brought, not just fun, but there was this circus type of atmosphere that nobody really has anymore, do they? No, nobody does. And it's kind of a shame that this kind of fun became so uncool that it pushed the grunge scene out into the front of rock, as far as popular rock and how that came about. Once that happened... The hair metal guys tried to follow that trend and it just didn't work for them. Yeah, no. There was nothing wrong with a good time. But by 1992, it seemed like Generation X just preferred to be angry with everything. Mm -hmm. I think what's holding hair metal back right now from uh, having a, a real resurgence is I. it's not making any new fans or maybe many new fans. I mean, you're always going to have like Bon Jovi people hanging on, but they've kind of dipped in and out of country and really not hair metal kind of music. Uh, most of the popular groups back in the day, they're on their greatest hits tours. They're not putting out new music. And I can't recall the last time I heard anyone mention bands like Airborne, who was a fairly oh. recent band, but they were following pretty much the, the blueprint that hair metal laid out. Well, they tore the UK and they actually, uh, I know I had some friends who went and saw them last summer. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So that that's the interesting vintage music that we talk about each month from these <laughs> older artists. Just like old guys using up all our time to talk about vintage groups. That's what we do. And January did not disappoint. Before we move on from the old, we had a most unexpected new song from Billy Joel. No, no, Matt, that came out in February. At midnight on the 1st, to be exact. Oh, yeah, but your midnight of February 1st is 7 p.m. January 31st here, dummy. Oh. Dummy. <laughs> I got to admit, I did not prepare to talk about it. That's fine. It, we don't need to. Uh, he he played it at the Grammys. We can talk about Billy Joel when I ran about the Grammys next month, because you know what's coming. 
<laughs> yeah. Go ahead and get us started with some of the newer stuff you found in January, though, Jim. Okay, I will. This should probably go into the category of the old timers, but since it's a new formation of two of the UK's most influential 90s Britpop artists, I'm going to start us off with mentioning Liam Gallagher and John Squire with the newbies. Liam's still headlining all the major festivals here, and Squire was the guitarist for the band that gets credit for the start of Britpop, the Stone Roses. They have an album coming out, and I'm really excited for it. Just Another Rainbow is a great lead single, but there's a second song that came off it in January, Mars to Liverpool, that I thought was better. The guitar work of John Squire is old school and refreshing at the same time. It just sounds great. There is Beatles revolver influence all over these two songs. And that's one of my favorite albums of all time, Revolver. Mm, I don't know if that song could sound any more like Rain from the Beatles. I, I don't think I don't think that's off Revolver. I think that's more from like a greatest hits or some kind of compilation. But I hear uh, I hear a lot of the Tomorrow Never Knows backwards guitar, oh, big time stuff going on, and that is Revolver. So that's what I was hearing in that. But Rain does yeah, make sense completely. And you know what? I would take that as a compliment if oh, I hell were those yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I wonder if they get maybe a little bit tired of people telling them that they sound like the Beatles. Like kind of like the Black Crows probably got tired of being compared to the Rolling Stones. I think that the biggest compliment you could give Liam Gallagher in his entire life was that music he made sounded like the Beatles because he worships them. Obviously. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think he'd be absolutely fine. In fact, I think Liam Gallagher, being Liam Gallagher, has already stated or tweeted that this is the best album since Revolver. <laughs> so <laughs> he has done this. So let's be ready for it. Oh, the balls on that guy. <laughs> they gave him ankle bruises. <laughs> okay, I gotta oh, rain it back in. Rain it back in. That is one thing that we noticed a lot of in the new music that we're finding just to give us a little sneak peek in February is we are finding a lot more Britpop sounds coming forward to us. Yeah, we are. I think we're finding that uh, that influence is starting to really shed some fruit. Now, unfortunately, Jim, for you, I hit the indie scene pretty hard <laughs> this month because uh, those were more of the sounds that were popping out to me. And I had to bring up Cheek Face. This is nerdy indie rock. It stood out to me because there's not a lot out there sounding like them. They hit the buttons I'm missing from Cake and They Might Be Giants. Kind of a non-punk feel of early Elvis Costello. Again, it's fun. It's lyrically funny and interesting. And a lot of times within those funny lyrics, there's a point made. The rhythm section is tight and punchy as hell. The choruses in the songs are strong. When a lot of what we hear is half the package, you know, we were talking earlier, you know, image is just as important and probably more important in a lot of cases when it comes to pop music than the music. I'm already diving into their back catalog and finding new favorites. Yeah. This is definitely your kind of music. And Oh, I'm not shying yeah. away from it, man. I loved Cheek Face. I'm not going to knock it. I just probably couldn't connect with it the same way you did. And that doesn't mean it's bad. We, we, we have some respect towards each other this way. Now, after realizing that Matt likes this kind of music and Jim likes that kind of music and Matt can go yeah, listen we to meet in the middle. Matt can go listen to cheek face when he's on it. So. And you'll go listen to Dua Lipa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. We do have a middle ground that we meet and then you go off one way and I go off one way. And that's, and that's how we can bring more variety to the show it is it is well music we can agree on matt we had another great new song from noah khan called homesick it features sam fender i can't predict whether or not noah khan's having his moment right now and will be an afterthought in 10 years his style isn't exactly unique reminded me immediately of passenger if you remember them from oh yeah yeah 2010 yeah that's a good pull actually yeah, yeah. And it's almost a revival in some places of that 2010 stomp and clap music. But with all that said, he's releasing a strong catalog of songs and collaborating now with Post Malone, Hoiser. Sam Fender sounds great on this. He really does. 
Yeah, I think I've said this before, but Sam Fender, for me, sounds like someone mixed the DNA of Bruce Springsteen and his songwriting and his words, and then Brandon Flowers and the delivery of the vocal. As soon as his part starts on Homesick, I feel like it immediately takes off to that next level. So I'm going to look forward to this one on the playlist when it comes around. We don't know how long he's going to have this spotlight, so we are going to take every chance we get to talk about him. It is interesting that uh, Stick Season, there was a re-release, and now he's got all these other big, well-known singers attached to his songs. Yeah. So maybe going forward, um, because he gets that cross-pollination, maybe he'll, he'll have more collaboration efforts with people, or now that he's got the name recognition... People may say, you know, I do appreciate this more stripped down approach that is so it's sorely needed in music today where everything's like a big grand gestures in music. Sometimes, you know, just having a guy on a guitar is all you need. And you know what, Matt, you're right. We got to take every chance to talk about him because he is our Vermont homeboy of the moment. So we're going to do that. He's 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 one of us. I know you're drinking a beer. I am. I am. Let's raise a drink. Move a yep. drink to Noah Khan's to success. Noah Khan. Let's do Keep that. Going, Noah. <laughs> so anyways, continuing on with Indy, Future Islands. What drew me to this, um, and it kept coming back, was a voice that separated itself from everything I heard the last month. I usually don't find a lot in modern synth bands to grab onto. I'll admit it's usually a quick exit, and most likely I do not give synth a chance. You know, my 30 second rule turns into a five second rule pretty quick. <laughs> I figure if you're coming at me with a synth, you should have a hook immediately that I can grab onto. Samuel Herring's vocals helped give it an 80s appeal and it gave me the patience to give it a deeper listen and realize there's a really active rhythm section. So it's not full on synth. Turns out they've been around for a while. So I'll file this in the new to me category. Yeah. I got into this more than cheek face. That's for sure. There's something about the future Island sound that kept me listening. And you're exactly right about that active rhythm section, because even though they're primarily a synth band, it was really refreshing in this song to hear the more organic bass and drum sound that was going on. Uh, I'll probably make more of an exception anyway for synth music than you do (laughs) when we talk about some of the music we like. But it's still not generally something that keeps my attention for long. Future Islands kept my attention. I could have used a little more dynamic throughout the song, but it was still really good. Mm, I'll agree with you there. They can get bogged down on their own sound and not venture too far out of the set melody. The song Corner of My Eye had a really nice payoff near the end with some really nice passionate singing. I don't think you can blame one thing on this dynamics that is missing um there's like the overuse of compression and redlining all the instruments and then you mix them together and then everything's just a brick that Mm -hmm. keeps assaulting your ears and if real instruments aren't being used properly there's no nuance because while they they do have this it's kind of like human league but if they actually had drums and bass but they do produce at least the drums yeah that's a little a little snappy and it could be, you know, misconstrued for a drum machine. But, hey, it's not always about what I prefer, Jim. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and another example is Vacations. This is a band that I, I did like. And so we had a, having more of this conversation around sound and dynamics and nuance. I beg you, please listen to No Place Like Home, the Vacations album. It is a really good album. Um, and it's most likely a little too indie for Jim. I understand. <laughs> I gave it a shot because it's an Australian band. And we've had a lot of luck with Australia. So I'm like, well, this this could be another one. It fit in with Future Islands. And at times reminded me of Phoenix, uh, an indie band I found in the early 2000s. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a dreamy pop rock. But again, modern recording techniques rob it somewhat. Which is too bad because I really like the songs. I'm just feeling my generation this month. You know, the the way some new music is recorded, it's a little too much at times. Yeah. 
Well, Matt, you are at your indie Matt finest. <laughs> I haven't said indie Matt in a long time, but you definitely <laughs> no. pulled that card. Yeah, you know, with the new yeah, music please. this month. Cheek face, future islands and vacations. I do recommend them as really good listens this month. Well, I'm not going to go about it at length, but another song I'm going to throw out there is Alice Merton's Runaway Girl. And I love the fact that it's all lowercase. So there's no capital. It's Runaway Girl. But oh, runaway stylized. Lowercase. Stylized. Yeah, exactly. I don't know much about her. I don't really know anything about her. <laughs> but when I was exploring new music, I kept this one on. It didn't get skipped. It's a really good song. Mm, it's amazing how a song will do that to you. There's something and you're, you're almost kind of like searching. What is it about this that really hooks me in? But this, and I'm surprised you didn't include Bishop Briggs's Triumph in here. These are both classic Jim pump-up songs. Both have lyrics that I can see you getting inspiration from. I was going to mention Bishop Briggs, but this was kind of on the cusp. Triumph isn't any worse than her previous material. It is that kind of fight music, and she specializes in that. I think what turned me off was hearing it in a Jeep commercial the same week it was released. I, mm. I sent you Already? the song saying, Holy shit. Matt, Matt, look, you know, here's Bishop Briggs' new song, Triumph. And then I think within a few days, I was watching NFL football, and there it was as the song oh. of the commercial for a Jeep. <laughs> but her music has that big cinematic appeal. And come on, wow. Yeah, it does. She can sing. Yeah, she can. And really with me, I came to appreciate that the Alice Merton and this Bishop Briggs song because uh what turned me off is I wasn't really I again, I don't pay attention to lyrics the first few times around. Mm -hmm. I have to come around, so I need more of a sound or something to give me that that adrenaline or that pump up. Lyrics don't typically do it for me, at least right away. Hey, they're good songs. I like them. They are. Yeah, they're good. And Jim, you magnificent bastard, <laughs> found me a new elbow song. I, I was did. so happy when you shared it with me. I was excited to find this because it's a good song. Yeah. Lover's Leap. That's the name of the song from Elbow. Check it out. I love Elbow so much. I'm really looking forward to this new album. They have a knack for doing things that oppose themselves, right? They'll come out with this up-tempo beat. But then they have this smooth, slower vocal. So I have this beat that's in this tempo that's dragging me in. And then I have this vocal and his voice is so amazing. Mm -hmm. These are one of the bands where the lyrics do grab me because they do this juxtaposition quite a bit. It helps create the nuance that we talked about in layers where if everything has a similar delivery. Like you give it that brick where everything is compressed and just turned to 11. It's harder to listen to. It's exhausting even sometimes when some, some of these newer recordings. And then we had an Avenger. Yeah, we did. Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner. And this was a huge surprise. I'd never thought I'd be listening to a Jeremy Renner <laughs> album. Now, to be honest, there are no gold nuggets on this album that I could really find. But it still had some shine. He has this Americana style where you kind of think you're almost listening to a country album but it's missing the twang and you're not i wouldn't probably go out of my way to see him in concert or buy his albums but with actors like kevin bacon and Kiefer sutherland having careers playing music as side projects like this i actually think jeremy renner might be a little better than what i heard from those guys <laughs> and you know i think i finally listened to kevin bacon like last year because because uh, I've seen enough Kevin Bacon in my life, right? Kevin Bacon music is like buying Dwight Yoakam off Wish. <laughs> that's that's what it is. That's <laughs> and I I really I love Dwight Yoakam though. I know you so. do, so that you understand that. <laughs> yep, I do. Uh, and because this was such a surprise, I was probably more impressed by it. It is a great curiosity listen. Um, he's much more talented than I would have ever given him thought. Yeah, so check out Jeremy Renner. It is a, it's a good, but you're right. I found myself finding that the song, well, I, I believe it's called Wait. It had a little bit of a identity problem because the music screams country, but he is not singing in a twang. Not at all. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I'm like, I was like, where the hell does this fit in? And that brings us back to the conversation that you and I have a lot. What makes country the twang? Yeah. Especially in modern country. What makes it right? (laughs) So as much as we talk about new music that we found, and we really try to be positive through most of it, we need to talk about some of the stuff that we were looking at that didn't quite reach our expectations names of artists that we've previously raved about on the jam yearbook. And Matt, I've got to come right at you with kid Cudi does electro wave baby. And now ooh, stylized all capitalized every Uh, damn song. It's, it's just one word electro wave baby does ace of bass slash Max Martin, your favorite name deserve a credit. (laughs) Big time. Big yeah. time. I've been I've been looking forward to this new album Insano for quite a few months. And sadly, there wasn't a payoff for me. I, I do give him slack though, because he doesn't just keep pumping out the same thing over and over. I wasn't in the mood for 808s this month, just plain and simple. I'll throw that out there. Something about 808s was kind of like turning my stomach. Mm-hmm. I'll still recommend him as he is an original. And for people who know Kid Cudi, this will probably come as a surprise because I don't really think it's a well-liked album of his. I'd rather listen to Speeding Bullet to Heaven, that little gr- kind of grungy album that we found Yeah, yeah. A, a while ago. I think that I just prefer that album. Um, And then Bleachers have a new song, Tiny Moves. We've been listening to uh, Bleachers quite a bit ever since we found that Modern Girl song. But are we going to find out that modern girl is lightning in a bottle. I'm kind of oh, holding on, on to hope that it's not. I think this is going to grow on me. I'm I'm not sure. I want to give it more attention just to make up my mind because I have high hopes for bleachers. Me too. I'm hoping this is kind of an album thing. And once you hear the album, it kind of pulls everything together. Yes. And I've got to admit... <laughs> I've given up on the snuts. Like this will surprise people because I, from 2020, if you came up to me somewhere, anywhere, and I was out of the house and you talked to me about music, I was going to talk to you about the snuts and how great yeah. I thought they were. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, hi, my name's Jim. Let me tell you my podcast. It was, hi, Jim. Let me tell you about the snuts. It was, it was. When they hit the scene, their music sounded to me like a revival and the future of indie guitar rock for me. But their most recent songs, and especially this newest one that came out in January, Millionaires, it sounds like it was written on a MIDI pad while they were on a tour bus. If I could be a producer on their future album, I wouldn't let them bring anything but their guitars and drums into the studio. And I would tell their lead singer, Jack, cut back on some of the lyrics, dude. He's overwriting. He's got this very unique voice. It's stylistic. And I think there are people out there that get told, oh, you've got a nice voice, though. And then they overdo mm. it and they don't realize that it fit within the music that they were originally playing and what they were doing. And it, it, his music is great and the, the voice is perfect for what they do. But he just needs to not be as dominant in it with his vocal as it used to be with the guitar. Someone needs to tell him that sometimes less is more. I couldn't agree with you more. And the problem is I couldn't pick one thing on this that didn't sound like two dozen other bands. They're, they, they took what was sort of making them stand out and they completely buried it. Millionaires would not be the album to start with if you want to try the snuts. All I could hear was a bass too high in the mix And can producers stop with the overly snappy, neutered drums? Mm -hmm. Not everything needs to sound like a beat. They're they're, they're damn drums. (laughs) Let them resonate. You're smarter than that, all right? I realize this is an age thing, but man, everything sounds too similar from band to band at times. They lost what could have made them stand on their own, which is the vocal, less is more, and... God forbid, guitars. Yeah. And then my final mention in griping this month (laughs) is going to be CVC. They have a new song called The Remortgage Anthem. And I'm not sure what's happened here. 
when CVC came out last year with their debut, we both raved about that album. Mm. Maybe on the first episode where we were reviewing music for a month. It may have been. It's a really great album. It is. I think it was July that, but, and their album from last year is by no means avant-garde. It's straight up indie rock, but it felt more honest. The remortgage anthem sounds contrived and it's, it's a little disappointing. It's not a terrible song, but it doesn't get me excited for new music that might be coming. And because I like them so much when we first heard them less than a year ago, I really hope I'm wrong. It sounds like they got the same advice as the snuts. I'm I'm sure groups are pressured to actually sell streams at least and producers push it in that direction. Mm-hmm. I have to remind myself of that and not lay blame at the feet of just the group. There's a lot of people making decisions on how to push a band's sound. That sounded like it's a far cry from what the demo was to me, that song. I can't imagine, you know, I'm sure somebody was sitting on a tour bus, probably not with a mini pad, but, you know, at least a four track and was, you know, pumping out some lyrics and just guitar. I can hear that bare bones indie rocker aching to get out. Yeah. When you found their first album last year, I absolutely loved it. I was hoping for more of it. Their sound just grew up too fast. It discovered deodorant, hair products, and manscaping. I don't know how else to put it. I And the biggest problem is I don't know where they can grow from here. All right. So that, that was a quick brief rant on a couple groups that we just had higher expectations from. But I'm going to move us on from the rants because I found a band called The Strike because I know some listeners out there would like even more 80s sounds. Well, check out Just Friends from The Strikes. The opening guitar riff could be an outfield song. If they did an extended remix of this and gave it the extra guitar intro, you would think this was somebody ripping off your love from the outfield. But that's where the comparisons end. Along with the name, the strike, the outfield, the keyboards in this chorus is pure 80s. It's really fun and catchy. And if punk is what you're looking for, check out Pissed Jeans. They got you covered (laughs) in piss. (laughs) <laughs> I could have just said their name and you most likely would have guessed they were punk. Yeah. This isn't pop punk. <laughs> it's proper punk. So don't go into it thinking Blink-182 or Green Day. Moving on is a hot song. And it made me realize I may have to reevaluate some of the things I said negatively about metal, not having nuance and dynamics. Well, you know what? A lot of the punk I listen to lacks those things too. And I love it just fine. <laughs> Sometimes you just need someone screaming at you, and this is more my style. It's Actually, I should hold the bag. It's not screaming. It's yelling. There's a difference. <laughs> I listened to this today on the ride home on the bus because you kind of popped this in at the last minute in the notes. And yeah, dude, it's good. It's really good. I enjoyed <laughs> it. It was a lot of fun. I liked it. This This is where you and I do connect with this type of punk. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's not all the time, but when one hits you, it's like, shit, yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, it is good. And that's it for January, folks. There's more that we found, but uh, we can't talk about it all here because you will only have so much time to listen to two morons like us rattle on. But if you want to hear Pissed Jeans, just like I heard for the first time today, (laughs) go back to the playlist I mentioned at the start of the episode because we will have it there. And Matt, I'm going to bring up something quickly here because... We didn't talk about this in the January wrap-up, and I meant to. We have a friend, Mark, who is so active with us on the Jam Yearbook page, and he really does engage us so well. And his son, Mario Hool, put out a song mid-December, December 15th, tough time of year to release new music. The song is called The Martyr. It's great, and we are a little late, but I'm bringing this into our January episode, because we're going to put the song on the playlist and everybody should go listen to Mario Hool's The Martyr. Really cool song. Yeah, it is a really good song. I like the way he built the song and layered it. He he, he did it right. I really yeah, liked did. listening yeah, to it. Yeah, good, good voice too. Really good voice. Great studio work on it. All right, Matt. So the next episode, we are going to tell people what it's about and it is your favorite source of new music, The Charts. <laughs> damn the charts damn the torpedoes uh, yeah we're gonna we're, we're gonna do a not even a semi-deep dive into charts because that would be a years-long effort 
in researching <laughs> and kind of uh, boiling down what they're all about. But I don't think you tune into us to get a really deep, deep, deep dive. No. You want to hear me rant after a couple of beers, probably. I think we're going to talk about what the charts were like when they started, what they were like for us when we were kids, how they changed maybe around the, the 90s, 2000s, and then what they've even evolved into now as a monster and whether or not they're relevant, whether it matters, whether kids today actually pay attention or care just because this song, is it bragging rights for the artist? It, and how do they factor into the Grammys that just happened too? Yeah, well, we'll have to talk about that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, hey, like I just said, Jim, it's going to be about me ranting. It is. Be prepared. <laughs> Matt, don't drink before the show. Drink during the show. <laughs> I don't know. It might be more fun if I drank before. Or yeah, during yeah, more fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, not so much fun when you have to go edit me down, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we want to thank everybody once again for tuning into the Jam Yearbook. Don't forget to recommend us to your friends if you got any. Like I don't have any, but somebody out there must have friends. Um, and don't forget to check us out on uh, Facebook, Spotify, Apple, Instagram. We're out there. X. Check us out. We really appreciate all you can do to help us grow this thing. Matt just said I'm not his friend. <laughs> now I I realized I've hurt your feelings. <laughs> He's just like I have no friend. Like I have no friends. <laughs> yeah. No, I have I have uh you know what this is the sociological experiment. What do you consider a friend? If you can count all your friends on one hand, you're doing well in life. They say that now. Yes, you know, especially at our I age. I can. So I can. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, we want to thank everybody for joining in with us this week. It has been a fantastic time. Matt, oh, January was not a bad start to the year. We'll be looking forward to seeing what February will bring. We know there's a Billy Joel song we need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, you know, January's already picked up from uh, December. And from what we've got right now, February's definitely picked up from January. So I think we're on a positive trend here. It is. We will speak to you all next time when we talk about the charts. Peace, love, and podcasts.